Welcome to Smidge Wines Podcast. I'm Lee Schneider, Communications Director at Red Cup Agency. And with me today is Matt Wenk, consultant and winemaker at Smidge. Hey, Matt. Hey, Lee. How are you? I'm doing very well. So today we're talking about your favorite winemaking regions in the world. We'll start with Australia, of course. What are your favorite varietals that are grown here? I better start being parochial and uh, discuss South Australia where I actually live. Um, South Australia produces, I'm not sure the exact percentage, but probably 60% plus or minus a bit uh, of the whole of Australia's wine. So we've got some great wine growing regions and great varieties grown there. So let's just start, say, with uh, Riesling, for example, uh, a nice crisp, refreshing variety made in Australia. So Claire and Eden Valleys are well renowned for that. Shiraz, obviously, the the big workhorse of Australia. Everyone knows that. Um, So we've got McLaren Vale and Barossa in particular, who uh, make some great examples. McLaren Vale also produces some good Grenache. Um, That's becoming quite a a prevalent variety these days. Um, It was used mainly for blending in the past, but uh, a lot of people are now making single varieties out of it, single wines out of them. Can't forget the Adelaide Hills. Make some wonderful Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, some sparkling wine. And then uh, Cabernet, which is another a variety that's pretty prevalent. Coonawarra, uh, Langhorn Creek, McLaren Vale. But ultimately, Australia makes some um, great wines anyway. And uh, across the country, especially in the sort of southern half of the country, where the weather is uh, conducive to growing grapes, grow some great things. For example, Hunter Valley, when they're good, aged Semions and Shiraz do well. And also, I'm partial to Shiraz from the Canberra districts, uh, which is a, a little uh, territory where our capital is. In and around there, they make some great Shiraz. Can't forget Margaret River in the west, in Western Australia. Some great Chardonnay, Shiraz and Cabernet come from over there. And uh, heading a bit further south from Margaret River, Great Southern also makes some great Riesling. Now let's see Tasmania, Chardonnay, Pinot, sparkling, nice cool climates down there and um, similarly in Victoria. It's a, a incredible variety. Uh, and I heard you mention a few varietals which I haven't become accustomed to hearing as Australian, like Riesling and, and Grenache. Now those varieties have been established for many, many decades. Well, Grenache was uh, a variety that was used extensively in, uh, for fortified wine originally because a lot of Australian wine in the early days was it was made made for obviously consumption here, but they often sent it back to the motherland over in the United Kingdom, Great Britain. Mm. But unfortunately, the the passage over there took so long that ordinary table wine didn't work uh, last very well, and so they came up with making fortified wine, which obviously that that extra spirit in it. Uh, helped protect the wine and it uh, lasted very well in the journey back to the UK. So Grenache was used a lot in those days for fortified wine, making port, etc. So uh, it, Grenache in particular has been around for a very long time. And as I said before, it has been used for blending into the Rhone sort of style blends with Shiraz, Mervedra or Mataro, known in Australia a bit more. And, uh, and then Riesling as well has been a, you go up to um, Eden Valley and um, Clear Valley, you can find vineyards of Riesling, which are good 50, 60, 70 years old. So that's been around for a while, but uh, it's been stable. It's uh, it's always been there. It's a, a great variety to, I think, fall back on. If you go to a restaurant and the wine list is a bit limited and you're not sure of the some of the wines on there, and uh, but you do enjoy Riesling and you, you see a Clear Valley Riesling or an Eden Valley Riesling, um, invariably you can order it. And uh, you can't go wrong. And they're actually reasonably inexpensive wines usually. Hmm. So uh, it's a, a double bonus. It's reliable and doesn't hurt the wallet too much often. Outside of Australia, what are your favorite wine-growing 
nations or regions and why? As a winemaker, it's part of my job, I suppose, to try wines from all around the world. Well, traditionally, I enjoy drinking champagne, wines from the Rhone Valley, the, the Shiraz Grenache, or the Syrah, as they call it over there, Syrah, Syrah Grenache, Mavedra. Red and white Pinot, so that's Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Barolo from Northern Italy, where it's, that's Nebbioli variety. And Sonoma, obviously, can't forget out America. Sonoma Coast makes a wonderful Chardonnay when I've worked over there. And plenty of Spanish wines. And obviously, we can't forget there's a Napa Cabernet as well, which is a... And you can't... Some of those varieties uh, and wines you can't get much in Australia. Some of them you can get lots of. How much have these regions influenced your own approach to making wine? It's interesting. Um, I, mean, I have worked and lived and visited many of the places that I've mentioned. You know, I'm always open to trialling and new things. Um, and I think it's all about calculated risk. You can't go to a, a, a winery somewhere and say, all right, that, that, the wines are amazing and what do they do? And if you try and replicate that back in Australia, it's invariably not going to work to the extent of what they can do because obviously the, the conditions of we grow our grapes are different to theirs and what we get out of the, the fruit is going to be different. So um, I think it's taking bits on board and we have a thing called a, the spice rack as such in the winery and depending on the season what condition the fruit comes in you can draw upon these things that you've either well if you work overseas you've actually done yourself or you've spoken to the winemaker and you've heard about well how they approach certain things and you can use these tools as such at your discretion and if the conditions or the fruit quality allows you try them you use them as that bit of spice rack to gain complexity in your your wines and the in the long run you have these things, to, these other bits and pieces to blend in and create some more complexity in your own wine. These are memories, really, uh, kind of data points or palette points that you have in the toolbox, but you can't assume that you're replicating, nor probably would you want to replicate anything that was in some other region. But it's, it informs your worldview in a way, right? It kind of gives you a bigger picture of where you could adjust the wine or change the wine. Yeah, to a certain extent, yeah. To a certain extent, yeah, always to a certain extent because, you, yeah, it's a, it's an experiment in some ways, right? Yeah, and also on the flip side, I mean, I've been in the Rhone Valley many years ago and I was talking to a, a dear friend of mine over there and he, I sort of said to him, what are you doing here? <laughs> and he goes, you, you guys are doing X, Y, and Z over there in Australia with your Shiraz and, I, hey, we've got to try and keep up and so I'm trialling this and that. It, it works both ways. It's a beautiful thing because every year being agricultural is different. Let's see, in 2011, where we did have a, a cooler, wetter year in Australia, I had to draw upon what I did in the Hunter Valley, which is uh, in New South Wales and is subtropical. And so obviously they get a lot of rain during their growing season in many, you know, many years. So you have certain things you can do to counteract the problems you may be associated with too much rain and disease in a particular year. So I had to do some implement those things in the winery and to counteract any problems we may face as a result of that rain. And it all worked out. Interesting, yeah. That, that's within Australia, though, not necessarily overseas. So, But you can take this global knowledge and apply it, even adjusting season by season if you needed to and weather condition by weather condition if you needed to. Yes, yes. Matt, thanks so much for doing the podcast today. Thanks, Lee. Great to talk to you. 